Welcome to the GoBundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people in hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better. Better multidimensionally in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me. Is he walking the talk or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Have you dreamed of being part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but maybe you're just not quite there yet on the balance sheet. You haven't hit that million dollar net worth, but you understand the value of being part of this community and part of this brand and why the six pillars are so important and they're important to you. Well, we've got a great opportunity for any one of you out there that are seeking one day to be whole life millionaires and join GoBundance. That is our Emerge program from GoBundance. My name is Jamie Gruber. I'm host of the GoBundance podcast, founder of the Emerge program, and I'm proud to say that we've been able to put a couple of hundred students through the Emerge program with stellar results. They've been able to achieve goals, transform their lives, and get to the next level of life that they aspire to simply by being part of this incredible program. With the Emerge program, we have three objectives. The first is to create transformation. You're going to establish a goal at the very beginning of this 12-week course, and every week you're going to get a content drop. You're going to get curriculum. You're going to get support from the community in you achieving that goal by the end of the 12 weeks. Along with that, our second objective is proximity. You're going to have proximity to like-minded people just like you, people that you don't have in your regular life right now that you can relate to and talk about what it is you're trying to achieve in life. And they're going to hold you accountable to whatever you say you want to do or better yet, whoever you say you want to be. With proximity also comes the GoBundance community. Every Tuesday evening, we bring in a GoBundance member and we Q&A them in our millionaire case study segment. Right before that, you get to hang out with your fellow Emerge members on Tuesday evening. And Thursday morning, Diego Corzo comes live to you to teach you about different areas of being a whole life millionaire. And lastly, our third objective, we're going to be watching. We want to make sure you're accountable to achieving what you want and finishing this course. And if you do you'll get an exclusive invite to our Ascend Mastermind where we can really dive in and dig deep on getting you to that whole life millionaire status. Go to GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Put in coupon code Emerge for $200 off this one-time charge and lifetime access to the Emerge program. You won't regret it. Check out what it's done for other people on the website, and I hope to see all of you in Emerge.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And today we welcome in a GoBundance Women's member who is a real estate investor, a course creator, an immigrant, and still a W-2 employee. So she's got a big, big story to tell. I'm really excited to, to bring her story to you. Anna Lee, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jamie. Absolutely. Let's let's unpack some of that. So I, I threw a bunch of big words in at random. No, no order to that whatsoever. What is your story? You 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 mentioned you moved to this country. Uh, I think in 05, But take us from where do you come from to where you are today? Sure, sure. Back in 05, my husband and I both came uh, from the country called Uzbekistan. It used to be part of Soviet Union. Immigrated here because he won a green card lottery. It's like a diversity lottery that you can <laughs> you can win apparently. So. Nice. We didn't know about it. He played. We won and came here. And we came. We, we didn't have that much money, so we kind of borrowed three thousand dollars from my my parents. Came here just to kind of like for a better life and started from from scratch, right? Like looking for any type of job where people will just take us. You know, my husband started in a warehouse. I went to like work in a shoe store just to get by. And eventually, you know. Just by kind of grit and working hard, we both landed some, you know, basic like level jobs in the corporate America. By 2008, we kind of accomplished our first probably American dream by buying our first house. And then eventually kind of had like the very similar progression to anyone else who kind of grew in the corporate and continued to work hard, had our boys, um, you know, we had twins in 2008 and uh, we had another boy um, in 2012. And throughout this process, there was this nagging feeling, you know, there has to be a better way, right? So my husband was the first one who quit the corporate job. It was the basically the conditions of the company where there were a bunch of layoffs and he was happy to kind of start something on his own. So we looked into what to do and real estate was a natural sort of a direction to go to. So he started flipping and I was more like, I'm, I have a financial background, so I was looking for deals and I was calculating everything, analyzing, and he would be actually managing all the contractors. So our first flip where we were ready to lose money, just to kind of like education, right? Like we'll pay for the education. We made probably $15,000. We're like, great. I like that. Um, we didn't expect to make any money on the first one just so we can learn. And then from then on, it kind of progressed. We bought another flip um, and successfully sold it. And right around that time frame, it was probably 2017, at my W-2 job, I was offered an assignment to go and work in Switzerland. So right around that time, we were like, that's an amazing opportunity. So pulled the whole family, went and spent the last four years in Switzerland. We just came back two months ago, settling back in, in, in the States. But as we were there, continued to flip from overseas had a boots on the ground person here, kept investing, bought some rentals. And now as we're back, we're like actively investing and in buying rentals. It's like a brief story. <laughs> oh, it's a great story. I, I, I want to go back to the lottery. That's interesting. You think about winning the lottery, like Powerball right. or whatever, but you literally won the lottery of coming to, you know, uh, to the US. I mean, you know, it sounds like something that was uh, desirable and, and, and you won in doing so. Can you speak to this ascension that you've had going from, you know, $3,000 borrowed essentially from, from family to now being, you know, obviously eligible for the GoBundance Women's Organization, which means you're, you know, you've achieved a millionaire status in, you know, the 15 or 16 years that you've been here. 
Can you give some perspective as an immigrant, as somebody coming into the United States, maybe not born here? I think, I think, and maybe I'm wrong. I think people like me that grew up here may take may take advantage a little bit or may, may not have the perspective of like what it is to come from uh, a former Soviet country, Uzbekistan, over to the United States and, the, and the, the, the challenges, the changes, but also the opportunities that you see. Can you speak to that? You know, what was that like for you? And, and was it right away that you saw opportunity or was it like job, let's just get jobs and lay low and opportunity came later? I'm just kind of curious what that looked like for you. Sure. It's interesting. I think I went through like stages of that. Um, as, as we kind of, my husband and I in, in Uzbekistan, we already started thinking entrepreneurial about a couple of things, right? So my husband actually worked for the radio station. He was a, a, radio, a radio producer there. And we were mentioning like a couple of programs to his boss, right? Who was an entrepreneur. So we were kind of going that direction already. But as we moved to the States, everything kind of like turned upside down, new language, everything else, right? So we had to just get by and figure it out. Uh, and I think the best advice that we were given um, by somebody who was from here, from, from Uzbekistan, but lived here in, in the States was like, America does give you that American dream. Just don't put your like pink glasses right away, right? Don't think of that as you're just going to get everything the second you just land it there. Forget about your status, whoever you were in your country, just forget about it all. You're going to have to start from scratch. You're going to have to prove yourself. But if you work hard, you can do anything and everything that you want. And I think this is the, the opportunity, the possibility of having everything and anything that you want is probably is the most attractive thing that kind of draws, draws people here. Because in every developing country, whether you have a dictator, whether you have bureaucracy, whatever, whatever it is, you always know that whatever you have today can be taken away from you tomorrow, right? So we came here for that more like stability of mind that you can be whoever you want, you can do whatever you want. So we quickly kind of transitioned to let's just get the job to just pay bills and then we'll figure this out later. And I do want to say I probably kind of felt too comfortable with getting that state steady paycheck and, and not thinking about business kind of sooner. You know, because, you know, everyone's probably thinking, hey, had I started investing before 2008 or whatever, like right around that time frame, right? But no regrets, of course. I mean, it's just kind of, it took us some time to just kind of reestablish ourselves as U.S. citizens here. Makes sense. Are all on our time, right? All on our journey and, and your journey, like you said, new language, new culture, new everything. That's a lot. That's a lot. You talked yep. about em- emptiness or, or uh, there must be a better way in your corporate career. You kind of had that, that, uh, that feeling. Was there a moment, an epiphany? Was it just sort of a, a, a nagging thing and you realized later what it was? Kind of walk, walk me through that time frame and what maybe, uh, what maybe your, your realization moment was, if there was one. Sure. I love my job and actually I love people working with me and I, I love the organization itself too. So it's kind of that weird moment mm-hmm. where it's not necessarily that you leave it because you don't like it it's, or thinking about it. It's more so that I think that, that every hour input that you put in extra, right? Or working that much harder, you're still limited to your capacity of your salary, right? You, you know that you're not sort of like extending it to the level that you wanted. And on top of that, even if you have some ambitious and innovation, like I'm in a strategy role, right? I, I really kind of foresee certain things to be happening, like even within an organization, you still deal with the bureaucracy of large corporations. So you kind of have that bump where 
Like I have to deal with how this massive behemoth is operating very slow, whatever. And in my business, I could just quickly like, you know, I, I was in my pod, right. And I was talking about how I hired virtual assistant, how I'm having like really great time. I hired another one and another one. And somebody asked, listen, can you help me out with that? And I gave them like the whole kind of spiel about it. And, and they, they basically said, you have to report a course. Like you have to do it, right? Because like, this is valuable information. And it took me a weekend to record it from start to finish and publish it. Just one weekend. I mean, I was in shock that I could do it, but you know, I was inspired. I was determined I did it. And now it's kind of like it's own, took its own life, right? And in corporate America, like, okay, I can record a podcast. There's nothing that's going to come out of that, right? Like I'm still going to be limited to my, you know, my, my salary. Um, I'm not going to get an extra bonus for that or something like that. So it's that kind of limited output that you're getting from your input that probably makes me think more and more going into business direction. That's there's a lot to that. We talked before we started recording that I'm I'm a, a recovering W two guy. I guess you could call me. Um, and one of the revelations post job was I could do a webinar, and on that webinar I can sell twenty five thousand dollars worth of worth of courses, right? It, because I believe in it. It's not just because I'm selling it, but because I believe in it. I add value, mm-hmm. and then people buy uh, that much. And and you know you talk about you know the 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 time value of of my time in that regard right like it ain't twenty five grand for an hour webinar I wasn't making that at, at my work at my at my day job right it's it's a very different thing and again I've said this before like that's not like that's the business's income not like I'm putting it in my pocket but right but yeah there's something there's something very revolutionary when you kind of learn that what you learned uh, and what I've learned that you know there's there's so only so much there's only so far you can go in a job you know usually people that have day jobs don't build wealth because of that reason or if they do it's not touched until they're 65 years old uh, and the other part you talked about corporate bureaucracy again I, I I remember the the issues that we would solve we would need to solve again in four years because it was all about the time on task the action and it was less about the efficiency I don't know if that makes sense to you or if that resonates yes. but it's like, you know, as long as we're working and busy and moving, then everyone's happy. But it didn't matter if that work or busyness meant it was sustainable, but we would focus all in on this one thing. We'd fix it and then we'd put it away and we'd focus on this thing and we'd fix that. And then year three, we're back to year one. You know, <laughs> like it's the same thing kind of repeating over and over again, that bureaucracy you talked about. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, um, for sure. The, yeah. The virtual assistant piece. Can you talk a little bit about that? The, the, uh, you built a course. You obviously have, uh, have some experience in, in hiring and working with them. Why virtual assistants? And what are some, some keys to that, do you think, uh, uh, having virtual assistants and some of the tactics that you deploy? Sure. Well, the, the why is obviously I'm, su- I'm super busy, right? Besides my W-2 and like a couple of businesses that I'm running, being a mom of three, just being a human being, just generally kind of like having time for myself, right? The, there is nothing, right? It's like there, there was none. So I think kind of uh, I was inspired because when I started my wholesaling business, you have to have cold callers, right? So, you know, calling on sellers if they're interested, motivated, whatever. So I started with one and I was like, hold on, what else can I outsource, right? And it became so addictive, right? So any kind of data management I've outsourced. SC for my website, I've outsourced. PPC, outsourced. I started even thinking like what other daily tasks that I don't want to do that I can outsource. And I outsource like, hey, can you just 
get a list of Christmas presents for my family. I just gave like the list, right? And I'll just go online and like look for something, give me the list and I'll approve it. So it got very addictive because, you know, I freed up my time, right? The cost of hiring virtual assistants, like $5 an hour. And I'm like, my cost of my hour work is way more than that. So why, why, why do I still do that? Right. So once a month, I used to do billing, like pulling out statements, going through receipts and all that outsource. And one kind of gold mine there I realized is once I hired one of my virtual assistants, I don't have to hire anymore. I outsource the process of hiring to my VA. So now my VA is actually following my whole process based on what I've done. I kind of like bullet pointed it out. My VA now recruits, posts, interviews, and all I have to do is just to watch the recording of the top two candidates and pick one. That's it. So I just kind of found a value of, you know, doing something really nice from start to finish, um, having that whole system and process, and then I have, don't have to deal with this ever again. And the interesting part is why I even came up with a course is that I already have a structure, but every time somebody in my pod or somebody else would ask me, so how, how else, like, how do you do that? So I was like, I don't want to spend any more time. The whole point of having a virtual system, I don't have to spend more time. And I was like, it's repetitive, right? So how can I do that? So the course came out of necessity to save my time as well. But now it's, it's like in its own side business that I'm having because people find it so beneficial. I realized that hiring virtual assistant from the agency, from my perspective, like my personal experience that I had, wasn't that successful because A, it was more expensive. It's at least double the price. But B, there is no direct management relationship with my VA. And I'm at the mercy of them paying whatever the pay rate there is. So there is a higher turnover. When I hire my own VA based on my own requirements, I'm more in control. Mm. It's like it's cheaper. So that's how it kind of started. And now everyone in my pod, you know, used the course. Everyone hired their VAs. One of the ladies from my pod was like, basically, yeah, I regained time for myself. Like I can go to my son's games. And it's just kind of cool to hear people saying that because a lot of, a lot of us kind of have this fear. I probably cannot afford a person or I cannot, you know, manage somebody, but I just kind of like structured everything. So it's so easy. And they're like, okay, that's, that's very easy. So. All right, go Bros. We have our 2022 couples trip of a lifetime. Here's the deal. When you think romance, the one country that comes to mind, we are talking about Italy. Here is the epic itinerary. Day one. This is April 1st. 2022 we're going to arrive in florence and take a private transfer to the city center there we're going to go on a guided walking tour of florence we're going to discover all kinds of ancient beginnings where we'll finish the day with a welcome dinner at a local restaurant day two after breakfast we're going to visit some historic workshops and learn about the ancient florentine artisanal tradition then enjoy a special leather hands-on workshop. In the afternoon, challenge yourself to a hands-on Tuscan food cooking class and then feast on your creations for dinner. Day 3, April 3rd, we're hitting the countryside. 
In the company of your local art historian guide, visit a Galleria commissioned in 1560. Leonardo da Vinci, Botticelli, Tizzanio, Michelangelo, all have hung out in this joint here. After lunch, at your leisure, travel to the Tuscan countryside and check out your hotel and dinner at the Inner Restaurant. Day 4. A full day excursion to Siena. Today, soak up the medieval flavor of the city on this walking tour through city center. See Palazzo Publico, the colorful marble-clad cathedral, and Piazzo del Campo, one of Italy's most beautiful squares. Then we're going to hit a leisurely bike ride through the vineyards, blanketing the surrounding landscape. Day 5. We are going to start the day by driving Fiat 500 cars along the enchanting roads of gorgeous Tuscan countrysides. And we're going to land in the Bocelli Vineyards. Yes, the Andrea Bocelli. His family is going to serve us wine and, and an incredible meal. Day 6. Transfer to Rome with a stopover in Orvieto. Orvieto is one of the most striking, memorable, and enjoyable hill towns in central Italy. Less than 90 minutes from Rome, it sits majestically high above a valley floor atop a big chunk of Tufo volcanic stone. After lunch, we continue on to our hotel in Rome's historic center. Day 7. Wake up early and see the Sistine Chapel. Marvel at some of the world's most spectacular works at the Vatican Museums. Then visit St. Peter's Square in its soaring basilica. Of course, we will not miss the iconic Colosseum. The massive amphitheater that accommodated 50,000 spectators were gladiators prepared for battle. Next, be thrilled by a specially arranged visit inside formerly the Temple of Antonius. Here, enjoy a lecture on ancient Rome given by a prominent Roman art historian. Day 8, we reach Tivoli and visit the amazing Hadrian's Villa. After lunch at an enchanting local restaurant, we turn to Rome for a leisurely stroll through the charming neighborhood of Trastevere one of Rome's most authentic and vibrant areas. This epic adventure for you and your significant other covers all internal transfer, incredible, highly rated boutique accommodations. If you're ready to wow your significant other and show him or her how much you really love them, get signed up for Italy 2022. And you've got a passion for this. You can hear it in your your cadence. Like as you as you talked about that, you were you were getting deep there. Uh, and yeah. I won't I won't bug you with the how and the why because we can all get your course and we'll talk about that in a second. But what sure. is the what's the stable of of virtual assistants you have look like now? Number number of hours, however you might quantify that. So are you asking for what's the rate or no no no? This, how many how many virtual assistants do you leverage or how many hours a week do you leverage virtual assistants for? Like do you have a sure like. How much, you know, how deep is this organization, I guess, that you've built? I have between two to four virtual assistants uh, for uh, cold calling and texting uh, on my wholesaling business. 
And when I say two to four, sometimes I kind of move them around depending what I need to do. Right now, we're uh, diverting to a lot of the PPC, um, kind of like the Google ads and the Facebook ads. So I'm expanding more in that arena. I had my SEO guy. I have my PPC guy. So I'm going to see the good thing about the virtual assistants. I can always dial it down at any point and kind of dial it up in in another direction. Those are going to be different people because that's different skill set. But that's kind of the beauty and flexibility of how many people you have. So I don't necessarily have a stable amount of people. I have my core, probably uh, two, three people that I kind of move around. And, yeah. and I know that this person's really good with my cold polling. This person's really good with my data operations. I also outsource some random tasks to them. So with my cold caller, I never give him anything Excel related. They're like so slow in that. I'll probably have to spend more time just teaching them. But my data person, of course, is so much better than that. So if I need, like I just recently need to uh, send out emails to 300 hedge fund management companies. And I just had to copy and paste. They just had to go to their website, find a way how you contact them and just paste the communication itself. So she was able to do it in like day and a half. I would probably drag my feed and spend like days up on days up on days <laughs> doing that. Yeah. Makes sense. Is there anything that you don't feel a virtual assistant can do? Or do you have employees that doing, uh, you know, you talk about SEO, I don't know if you're doing like ads, Google AdWords, all of that stuff. I mean, can you, do you find a virtual assistant for everything or do you find that there's a cap there and sometimes you need to get somebody a bit more, more specialized, you know, stateside or whatever the case may be? Sure. Anything that has to do with language, right? So if you need somebody to write you a, like a blog or some sort of a content, you know, I know, I know it by my, like from my perspective, I'm not a native, like English is not my native language, right? So um, I was joking around with Mandy actually from from GoBundance uh, yesterday because I said up until like maybe five years ago I used to say let me um, let me make a picture of you I didn't say let me take a picture of you like sure. the subtle kind of things that you don't realize that you're saying because in Russian language it's making everything it's actually the same in German everyone is making something uh, in English it's taking everything right so it's like I, let me take a picture let me like take this or whatever so. I would not recommend hiring non-native speaker if it has anything to do with language, because you will never realize what kind of silly mistakes that you're doing because like you, that's how, that's how you operate. Right. But uh, for, for a native person, that would be obvious. Right. So I wouldn't recommend doing probably any of that outsourcing outside of the U S contrary to belief where people think that maybe SEO and PPC should not be outsourced to folks in like India or Philippines. Um, I, I do not agree with that only because of my experience. Like I'm very specific. I, I, I buy carrot website and I need to advertise it in my market for wholesaling. Right. So very specific kind of targeted niche. As long as you define what you need, like you can find that person anywhere in the world. So one of my SEO guys, he is from India and he gave me all the, um, kind of walkthroughs of his customers around the U.S. It's like, I'm only working with U.S. customers. I'm only supporting carrot websites and I'm only doing that for the whole thing. So once I had that story, once I saw the results that he populated, I was like, I'm, I'm sold. He is probably 20, 20, 20% off the price that I would find in, in the States because I did price comparison. I did kind of quality check comparison afterwards, like three months into it, six months, 12 months into it. So you can probably find that. And similarly, in the States, 
you can probably have an SEO guy that is doing your dental practice and maybe, I don't know, your, your cake business and real estate. So if they're kind of diluted in multiple directions, you can also have that distraction and, and not have the right specialist. So I'd say language, no. Um, anything else, honestly, I'd probably, you know, keep, keep, keep that in. Um, there are some weird points in the markets in the States where people are tend to be like a little bit more racist. So if you have a cold caller with an accent, they probably don't appreciate that. So in my market, that's totally fine. But I think like in Pittsburgh, PA, that would be already not, not acceptable. They'd probably prefer to have some American accent. That makes sense. That, yeah, so I, I, I have two virtual assistants. One works for the Emerge program and another one I hire to, to take on some other tasks. And what you said resonates in that, you know, when I was first thinking about what do I need them to do? I mean, there's so many things, right? But uh, it, was, it was imperative to me to like narrow it down and narrow it down and narrow it down to give them something that's very clear and something I think that's repeatable. Like if this person doesn't work, I can easily give them the next person a video and this process and they can execute it. And when I find somebody with talent, I can build with them. I think that's kind of what you were saying uh, about being very specific and narrow on, on what you need from them. Is that fair? It is. And I actually have my VA every time there's a new process, I always have him document. Whenever I have a training with my VA, I always say, how about you follow up with an email with SOPs, screenshots, pinpoint, tell me exactly what we did. I needed to be safe. That's so by ever bringing a new person on board, I was like a bunch of screenshots. Just go over that. Let's connect. See what's you know what what was not understandable. And with screenshots, it's so easy nowadays, right? You just kind of give the instructions to operate any system. So makes sense. So your your core business today is in in real estate. Outside of of course your W two and being a mother and all of that, but your core business is in real estate. Can you can you elaborate a bit more? You mentioned wholesaling, flipping. Is it more of that active role? Or do you buy and hold at all? Is it multifamily, singles? What market? Can you just kind of give us a rundown of where you're spending? Uh, you know what your real estate business looks like. Sure. Uh, primarily, we're around Philadelphia area. So whether it's in Philadelphia or um, kind of surrounding counties. Um, we do flips. Uh, besides my primary kind of wholesaling business, we do flips is that my husband and I in Burrs. We just acquired since March about five more rentals. You know, we're really we just just learned to actively use the bonus depreciation to offset my W2 income. So Big we're taking advantage of that. Yeah. Um, so our kind of flow there too is that Flip is more kind of cash generation and birds are more kind of like horizontal income. So like replacing our active income. And then I am venturing out right now, probably in a way of a passive investment into um, multifamily. So I'm probably going to be investing in some funds. I'm right now kind of evaluating a few funds between the multifamily and storage. And that's what I'm planning on doing uh, within the next few months. Um, and once I dab myself into that, um, I'm, I'm, I can see myself kind of expanding there. I'm also looking into possibility of acquiring business because within the real estate kind of arena, whether it's a property management or, you know, even a cleaning company, right? Anything that has kind of an extension that we, the services that we typically use within our arena, um, I'm open to anything. So I started working with a broker who is looking for a business for me right now sense. Yeah. Vertically integrating essentially into whatever you're doing right now, right? Kind of related, related businesses. 
So with all of that said, what is the, you know, you have a plan, I guess, or a desire to exit the W2 at some point. Like you said, you like what you do. And I think that's important, by the way. Like when I left my job, it wasn't like, I hate this job. I mean, there was a point in time where I might've felt that way. And had I left, it would have been with disdain. But when I left, good job. I had a big team. I didn't have like a lot of active work to do. They did all the work, right? So it wasn't about not loving what I did or not liking the people I worked with or not liking features of the job. It was more like you said, there's possibilities above and beyond uh, this job that I want to lean into. So what's your timeline or your need or your number? What is it that's keeping you with the job right now? And what's the plan to exit? That's a very good question. I was just actually addressing this earlier uh, at our pod call today. We're at the point where my husband and I sort of like evaluated our sort of like cash liquid position, right? And there is an annual kind of supply of whatever the cash that we have to cover ourselves, or maybe maybe even more. I'm having that like upper limit now dilemma where it was too comfortable for a long time. And kind of the pulling the plug is probably like my my main issue and concern right now. So I'm purposely putting myself out there to say that, you know, I'm seeing myself, you know, exiting W2 within the next like three to nine months. Again, knowing that this, <laughs> hopefully nobody from my, my work is watching this podcast. Like, I don't think that there's something that's, you know, so scary, even like if, if somebody watched it too, right? You know, this is something that I'm growing into, right? I'm growing into this kind of like avenue of business yeah. and I know that I can do more. So yes, that's what, that's what I said. That's my sort of timeline. It's not anymore about the number. I, we have not replaced our active income with passive. We're kind of on our way to do so. We're probably 40, 40 or probably 40% into that kind of replacement. But again, we do have other ways of kind of getting the active income through flips and wholesaling. So my, my upper limit is for whatever reason, I'm thinking like, I have to replace my income completely with passive income and only then I will do it. But then I keep kind of telling myself, like you're just waiting for, you don't even know what, like you keep telling yourself the story, you just have to do it and you're going to do it so much faster because right now I'm stretched so thin. I only have like a very limited amount of time after my W-2 or maybe a lunch break that I can use for um, non-W-2 activities. So it's more around, right now it's more around, can we quickly gain traction with, you know, more flips that just make me feel comfortable? Okay, we made X amount more. Let me just quit, try it out six months. Worst case scenario, we can still cover our expenses for long, way longer than that. And I was like, even if we don't do anything at all, we can still going to be good, right? And my husband was like, yeah. So I don't know why we're not like, I, I don't know why I'm still kind of talking about it. So that's why I keep kind of like putting myself out there that there's more pressure from other people. They'll be yeah. like, oh, Anna, are you still at your W2? <laughs> well, what's your biggest fear? Probably uncertainty, right? I don't know if you've ever been at like UPW event uh, with Tony Robbins, right? This kind of like uncertainty is probably sure. one of the like biggest things going from very stable income to kind of like ups and downs, especially with flips, you kind of have your rotations of when, when you're getting this funds. So it's more so that it's unpredictive, right? The market is unpredictive. So we're kind of like, I don't know, what if that's going to happen? What if that's going to happen? So 
more. But what if it does? Not to push, but like, what if it does? What if the the this happens that shouldn't, and you you wanted this, but that happened? Like, what is that fear? Like, what is the fear at that point? I think at that point would be the fear that I would have to go back to my W two or any W two to be to be honest. And the silly part about it, you should kind of follow up with an answer. So what? Right. Right now you are at W two. So if you have to go back, you're basically like trading in where you are right now. And it's funny, the more I talk about it, the more I kind of realize how, like how funny this sounds. Like I already know the answer. All I have to do is just kind of pull the plug. Um, It's, I don't know, it's, I'm just dragging my feet. So like, that's why I verbally started telling everyone that's how long it's going to take three to nine months, three to nine months. So if I'm still there working, Jamie, <laughs> you have to pull me out. And- <laughs> about accountability. It's about accountability, right? So that's what yes. we're here. Go abundance is one of our pillars. But no, I, and look, I, I don't ask this to pry. I, I don't mean to get overly personal with you, so I apologize. But I have a real passion for this. I mean, since leaving my W two, uh, it's amazing how many people that are you know me, thirty five to forty five year old men making a, a significant income with equity, whatever it might be, at this you know high paying job. Uh, said to me, even people that were two, three levels above making seven figures you know, annually said, man, I, I'm a bit envious. I don't know how you do that. How do you leave? How do you leave a job like that? And you know, the, the, biggest op- the biggest challenge I've had since doing so, well, taking a step back. So they didn't know how. So one of the things I've done, honestly, because I, I just enjoy documenting this journey is, is I'm putting it out there. In fact, I'll plug for myself at the Jamie Gruber. Follow me on Instagram. That's what I put out. The ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, the lessons learned, all of that stuff, right? For for those listening or you, if you want to follow me on Anna. But um, uh, but that's one piece. The the thing that that floored me, and I was told this, well, two things I was told by others that went before me and left their jobs. One was the onslaught of opportunity, be prepared for it. I didn't believe that. That's the biggest challenge I have right now is saying no to the things that are coming mm-hmm. at me. It's It's and you're going to have that because you've prepared more than I did. You know, the businesses, the structure, the course, all of that stuff that you've done, you know, you're going to have opportunities that you never realize you're going to, that they're going to come at you when, when the people you've surrounded yourself with realize that you're free of that, they're going to see, you know, oh, well, if you're free of that, you know, I've got this opportunity if you want to join in on it. So you're going to have right. a ton of opportunity. And the second thing that I, I was told was uh, be prepared for like a gap year. And what I mean by that is, uh, as much as you prepare, it's like parenthood, right? Like, you know, you won't sleep. You know that you're going to be feeding this kid. You know that you're going to have a different, you know, a lifestyle, and all, but you don't really know until you have that baby. You just don't, right? And nine mm-hmm. months, baby's going to come or three in your case. So it's the same thing with the job. Leave in three months, leave in nine months, leave tomorrow, leave in six months, leave in two years. The same thing is going to happen. You're not going to know. You're not going to know what to do with your time initially. You're going to go through these struggles of, oh my God, what if I never earned a dollar? Or what if I do? Or this is, an, I'm, I'm amazing today and I'm terrible the next day. It either starts today or it starts a year from now. And for you, you're going through that decision tree right now of when do I? Look, if you want my full encouragement, if you're ready to leave in three months, you're ready to leave today. And you know that. But Yes, <laughs> we, we all we all do it in our time. So best of luck to you, and I will. I'm going to check in. Thank you in so much to see where you are with this. So <laughs> that's helpful. I, I I like that kind of thinking about that gap year, or just kind of like expecting expecting it unexpected. I guess uh, you know yeah. you have this like somebody else's experience that people talk about it, and then you're going to go for your own. Uh, and I totally agree. You know. Like I, I had twins. My first kids were twins. So people were like, oh my gosh, how are you going to deal with that? I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to get myself into because I just don't know how it's like to have kids. Right. So I'm going to have right. to figure this out. 
and I do it once. Uh, yeah. for three months. Like my kids were not sleeping. So I remember that now. <laughs> so. Yeah. You don't know, right? Like you think, you know, okay, I know I won't sleep, but you don't know until you don't sleep. I mean, I'm a dad, not a mom. I, they had a feed on my wife. They fed on you, right? Like it's, it's a different dynamic, but I know what it was like not to sleep with kids as a mom. I can only imagine, but it's what you just talked about. I think a lot of people, me included, we get lost in, if I leave my job, this could happen, that could happen. All the fear that you mentioned, which is legitimate, but it's all emotional, right? When you look back, what I'm hearing is uh, you're somebody who moved from one country to another, learned the language, got a job, had twins, was able to invest in real estate, build a, build a, a side hustle, and then also build a course in a weekend that sells on how to manage virtual assistants. I mean, all of the evidence of your life to me says that leaving your job is a, I mean, that's, you know, that's way easier than kids. That's way easier than everything else you've accomplished. Like whatever you've put in front of you, you've, you've, you're here, you lived, right. you've achieved and you've grown. So leaving the job is just, you know, it's as simple as that, but we do, we get lost in the emotion of it. What if, what if this happens? It's all, it's, it's tough. Trust me. I know. And the advice I didn't take that I will give you uh, is take a month or two off. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And now I find myself like overdoing it like six months in, like going on vacations and doing all this stuff. So take a month or two off. But uh, okay. it is, it's interesting. It's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. I mean, the last bit I'll say on this, not to make this whole all about, but this is a topic I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are not maybe entrepreneurs yet or have side hustles or whatever struggle with. And I did you know, when you're, when you're, you know, 35, 40, 45 years old, you, you're, it's easy to look back at 22 year old version of you. Like, man, life was so simple. I wish I knew now what I knew then. And I would tell 22 year old me do this, that, and the other 90 year old. You is going to look at 35 or 40 year old you and say the same thing. Like your life was simple. Right. Yeah, okay. You had a couple of kids. whoop de doo I'm at the end of life here. It's, it's almost over. And I have all these things that I, you know, so what's 90-year-old you going to say to you today? Are they going to say, man, you should have stuck it out three more months? Or are they going to say, what were you doing? You just wasted three months when you knew what you could do already. So <laughs> if, all that of so that, if all of that doesn't give you the desire to jump today, I, I'm, I, I got nothing else for you. That's all I have. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. That's, that's a good tip. Sure, sure. So, all right. So, the W two uh, is soon to be behind you. You've got the the real estate business that you're growing. Uh, right. What's next? What's the vision for the future? Are you looking? You mentioned multifamily, the passive income. Is that kind of where you feel? Uh, I'm sorry, the passive limited partnership sort of way. Is that where you feel you're going to go, or is there is there another direction, another level that you're looking at potentially? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> That right now, I don't want to get to like this uh, syndrome of kind of being too excited about everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm dabbing into research. I gave myself some time to kind of research everything. And again, I, I, talk, I, talk, I talked to you about, you know, working with a broker about acquiring a business. I'm looking into this multifamily. Um, I'm even dabbing into industrial right now, but only from the education. So I kind of mentally had to tell myself, I'm not going after all three. I'm just learning. And, and then I'll kind of go after what makes most sense for our specific situation. I'm always kind of me being in uh, finance, kind of always wearing the finance head. Um, cash on cash is always kind of my, my take. Like, where, where do I deploy my money? And again, prepping myself as I'm going to be leaving the W-2. Well, how do I deploy my 401k, right? Like, that's kind of another question that I have for myself. So, Possibly what I'm going to do is when it comes to funds and passive investment, I probably will use my 401k to do that. And for more of my kind of active um, investments, 
dabbing into um, going beyond the flips, right? So we'll always be investing in rentals. That's always going to be our backbone for passive income. But going beyond the flips and looking at, uh, you know, possibility of new construction, only kind of building on top of the building blocks that we already have. Again, I I don't want to change directions completely, right? I I wanted to add onto what we already know uh, and how we operate in in, within the wholesaling, again, it's very easy to scale to different markets. So right now I'm talking to somebody else where there is a possibility to kind of go more like Midwest um, and scale there through the kind of online presence with PPC and SEO. So I'm going to bring my skill set there and the person is bringing more like buyer's list and experience on disposition. So I have already, like you talked about, all these opportunities coming your way. I'll already have so many people coming my way and like, hey, let's do that. You know, my, the lady from my pod, she's like, I have so many ideas for you and how do you expand your virtual assistant course? You start with basic and then you offer the a la carte services and this and that. And I was like, yes, like I just need time to do all that. So uh, there are a lot of things in, I guess, like what I'm kind of keeping accountable myself with, don't go for the shiny object do explore, learn, but then still kind of commit to expanding on the, on the skill set that I already have or my husband has. So we're kind of going to be expanding in that direction. Love it. I love it. That's all great. That's all great. So we'll see. We'll see what happens once you, uh, once you leave the job tomorrow, next day, I think it is, she said. So good for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's, let's do a quick run through some one sheet questions and then we'll wrap with a question from the GoBundance uh, card sure. game, but let's start with the horizontal income area. You mentioned you're at about that 40, 50% right now. Is that accurate as far as your horizontal income to expense ratio? Does that feel right? Yes, probably. Yeah. I was kind of looking, I, I didn't update my last one, but I think that's, that's where it is. And I'm waiting for an appraisal report today that will kind of bump up, you know, that will kind of show me how much cash out I have in my last two rentals that could slightly improved. Like that's what I love about one sheet and just kind of looking and tracking at the tracking the numbers and looking at them. Your net worth just kind of builds itself out after you get the new new appraisal report because you expected, you know, one one amount and prices are going right now. So I can cash out more and get better deals. So yeah, right right around 40%, I would say so right now. Do you count that 40% of expenses, the expense part, do you count like basics? I'm just curious how everybody does this. Do you look at like, this is just for us to like live and eat or is it with trips, with vacation, you know, with bucket list adventure or, or whatever in mind? Like what's that 40% against? What, how big an expense? Probably like if you are into like fat fi, if you know that term, right? Like fat financial independence, I'm probably oh, more oh, yeah. So it's, I already baked in like the cleaner and the cook and, you know, everything else. Um, I know my basics. So just for my safety, but I'm aiming for that higher number only because I don't want to change our lifestyle too much. We could definitely kind of go leaner, but I'd like to have, uh, you know, all of our travel. Plus with travel, I don't even have to bank for too much. One one time, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, I figured out the whole credit card game and points and whatever. I don't remember when the last time we paid a lot for vacations, you know, I, I just earned yet another Southwest companion pass between myself and my husband, you know, our kids can fly free. Right. So we have points and, you know, we have hotel points. So most of the time we don't really spend that much on traveling. Plus we've done so much travel in the last four years in Switzerland, like in Europe, 
we're probably not going to fly there for a long time. So we're kind of more thinking about local travel because to be honest, even though we've been here since 2005, I just recently made a trip to Boston for the first time in my life. So like, I was like, how did I spend 15 years in the States? I've never been to Boston, right? So we're doing more local, but yeah, to answer your question, it's more about fat five, right? Like I want to be basics plus. Love it. Yeah. Boston's my city. I've lived there for a decade. Uh, it's where my wife and I plan to retire downtown at some point once our kids are a little older. So great city. Good choice. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Let's jump over to age defying health. Talk about your diet and exercise routine. What does that look like right now? Well, I can tell you that probably two to three years ago, it looked like nothing. Generally speaking, I consider myself lucky because I don't have to kind of deal with like weight is not a problem for me. Uh, what was a problem is kind of like, I've heard of this term a few years ago and kind of stuck with me. And I kind of like, that's who I am. Um, skinny fat. It's mm. you look skinny, but like you act like you're a fat person. It's, it's, it's like you have all the wrong habits, uh, lack of sleep, um, kind of eating sporadically. And, you know, it just kind of doesn't affect your body necessarily like physically, but it did affect my body kind of like from the inside out. I struggled with a bunch of migraines and, you know, a bunch of other kind of things. So I started really taking care of my health, uh, work with a functional medicine doctor and just kind of uncovered what's, what's wrong. Right. So I realized that I have some food intolerances like gluten, dairy, eggs, and whatever, and looked at my kind of diet over overall. It's, it's not necessarily that I'm on a diet. I'm just kind of avoiding some irritants for, for myself. And as far as the exercising, again, have not exercised in a while. Um, I did play in a basketball group, just like amateur basketball group with women in Switzerland. And that was probably that, that, that was my only exercise. The only difference people in Switzerland kind of go for hikes. It's like a leisurely, you know, thing to do. So I probably added more steps simply by nature of leaving, like living in the country that kind of makes you kind of walk. But then probably about a year ago, I was like, I have to just integrate something. So what if I integrate like five minutes of meditation? I mean, what's what the five minutes is not going to kill me, right? So I started with five minutes and then it kind of became like, well, I kind of like it. Why, why is it only five minutes? So like, let, let's make it six or whatever. So there was a lot of kind of tricking myself because I, I was in like a lot of bad habits, like watching Netflix until midnight or something like that, right? Because kind of get busy and then you kind of trick yourself by saying, well, this is my time for me. And then you binge watch for a couple hours or something. So I just started slowly changing my routine and habits to more kind of healthy habits. So right now I'm at the point where I exercise and um, do my 30, 40 minute meditation every morning. I started getting up earlier I also realized why I was always kind of fatigued. I was like severely anemic. So I had to work on that. And then it's, it's interesting when you put a perspective instead of kind of like our Western approach to medicine, just take a pill for that. You have a migraine, just take a pill for that. Right. And when I got to the root cause of what's like, what's driving me to have my migraines, why am I always tired? Right. So once I started kind of uncovering that and, and it was just a big aha moment and it helped me dramatically, like in my journey to gain my health back, right? I feel like right now at the age of 38, I'm probably at my best health possible in comparison to probably in the last 10, 15 years. So 
it's crazy. Like it takes you like so long to just get to the point where enough is enough. I have to do something about it. Yeah. No, that's, that's incredible. And I, I agree with you. We do, we, we do treat the symptom, not the cause. And uh, uh, we did this even with our kids, our older son, like you said, egg, egg gluten and, and uh, egg gluten and dairy intolerance, which, you know, we had no idea what it was exactly. And he was actually getting like bloody noses for no reason. And then you know, they've stopped since we've eliminated that. We had his gut health checked. He needs some supplements. I mean, he's a healthy kid, but those intolerances were just you know, messing with the system, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. So um, really, really powerful. And I think, yeah, it's unfortunate that that's not more readily, like we had to pay for that, right? It wasn't insurance covered or like, you know, a regular treatment plan. So yes. it's unfortunate that that's the case because folks that probably really, I can't imagine, you know, I, we feel guilty and blessed at the same time that our kid was born, our kids were born into a situation where we could provide that. But, you know, we live in Michigan now, if you're in, you know, inner city Detroit in a, in a low income uh, situation mm -hmm. with the same intolerances, like they'll never know when this, this kid or person will suffer. So um, it's like, forget about it. Kids are exposed to lead and yeah. don't, I mean, it's, it's sort of, everyone is aware, but not to the point where if you, you're not positioned, you, you, you may not even kind of care about it. Right. Because you're the, just a different mentality. So yeah. Well, great. Well, what I'm going to do in the interest of time, we're going to, because this was great. Thank you for going deep on the virtual assistant piece, leaving the job. These are such, such key topics that are getting more and more momentum. And I appreciate your perspective on them. And just the banter was great, but I want to dive into the, uh, the final question, which is a, in this case, it's the king of, I always mess this up. King of clubs. That's a club. Yeah. Uh, and that means nothing, but the question from the GoBundance card game is this for you. If you were unexpectedly given an award with no explanation, what would your friends and family assume you had done to earn that award? Hmm. Good one. I told you. Probably had something to do with impacting someone of someone's or maybe plural, I guess, many people's lives in one way or another. That's probably what they would think. Beautiful. Well, I, you, you must be with this, this VA course because a lot of people need that kind of assistance and you know, you're providing value to people that are looking for employment and work in places like India and the Philippines. So, Anna, how do people learn more about you, about your course? Where do you want to leave? Where do you want to lead people after they hear this podcast? Sure. They, people can connect with me on Facebook or Instagram. It's at Anna Arsky. It's really hard to spell. I'm not sure if people will ever be able to find me. It probably didn't uh, make, make it easy work to do that. So it's A-R-S-K-A-N-I-Y, Anna, A-N-N-A. A-R-S-K-I-Y, uh, Instagram and Facebook. And I can share my course with you later on too. If people want to connect and uh, consider buying the course too. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. It's great meeting you. We haven't met yet. And uh, yeah, hope to connect with you soon. And I can't wait to hear about your, your last day of work. Sure. Thank you, Jamie. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. 
Number five, Go Abundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.